0: Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. Well, we are in the uh, second week of our series that we're just calling Right at Home. And with that, we're looking at what it looks like to let God make things right in our home, because the truth is, is that's where our daily lives are lived out. It's it's on the daily, it's in our daily choices, our daily things. These moments are fantastic. Coming together, connecting with other believers, have, doing church, having small group, Bible studies. All of those things are wonderful and we see them throughout the scriptures. But all of these things are to facilitate you being stronger in your everyday walk with God, what what God is doing in and through you in your moments with God. And so this series is to help shore those things up. Uh, We've led with this thought um, for for this series. And it's, if you got your bulletin or your Bible app, we're leading with this idea that to make things right at home, we must choose daily to serve the Lord. We gotta make that decision. Every day, that's the way it goes. We don't just sit it once and then move on. Now it is a choice daily. Why? Because we're making choices daily. So if we don't first make the choice to follow him before we make the other choices, we'll end up making choices without him. And there's consequences, there's effects out of that. We're looking at Joshua chapter 24. And as we pointed out last week, Joshua chapter 24 is the last chapter of Joshua. Joshua is the guy who led the people of Israel into the promised land. Um, after they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, um, after they had, then before that they had been in Egypt in slavery, and God is bringing them systematically over this period of decades into the place that he had promised Abraham centuries before that that was going to be where his children would live. And here in Joshua chapter 24, they're there. They've crossed the Jordan River. They've, they're in the promised land. They've actually allocated it out. And the, this tribe's going to live in this part of the land. And this tribe's going to live in that part of the land. And they've got it all settled. It's all been done. Joshua has lived out his calling as a leader. When, we, when we're about to read what he's written, what he says. And he's handing over the leadership, not to any one person, but to the households that they're where they're supposed to be, but they've got to live this out. God's done great things and he'll continue to do great things, but they've got to live it out. And he says this in verse 15, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living But as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. Here in this place, he recognizes and he's making it very clear, there is not an opt out option. There's not just a, I'm just gonna put my connection on pause. He's like, no, something's gonna lead you. Something's gonna lead you. If for some reason serving God seems undesirable, be aware there's two other things They're pulling at you and he points out that the God of your ancestors on the other side of the Euphrates, which is this place that of, of heritage, this place of history, this place of previous patterns that either previous patterns are going to influence your decisions or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living, either current culture, the people around you are going to influence your decisions. So it's either you're going to follow God, you're going to follow your old ways, or you're going to follow the way culture is going. But you're going to, it's going to be one of those three. And Joshua, who has lived his whole life out following God, has handed this off, could say that he's kind of got the track record to let his, his personal history speak for itself. He doesn't do that. Why? Because he recognizes today's a new day. Today's a new day with a new decision to be made. And Joshua says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do. It's like, maybe I'm not leading the entire nation of Israel, but I am still leading my home, and I'm gonna lead my home in serving the Lord. And that is the direction we want and should lean into. And so if we're gonna invite God into our house, we have to see some of the principles that were at work. When he built us a place to live originally. And we go back to Genesis. And God is creating. And he creates the heavens and the earth. And he creates all that we see. Creates the earth. And begins to bring life onto the earth. And then finally the. The pinnacle of creation is humanity. And he places humanity in the garden that he had planted. And in all of the creating, before he gets there, he sets something in motion. And we can kind of read over it real quick if we're not paying attention. And let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. And it says, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, In which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. As he was putting everything and creating a space for you and I to flourish and to exist, he first created this thing of seed time and harvest, this thing that seeds would be inside and grow. And and when God created the original pecan tree, he was simultaneously creating the pecan tree that's in my yard. Now, that's, that one doesn't date back all the way to creation in itself. But the seed was produced a seed, which produced a seed, which produced a seed, which finally is my pecan tree. That's the way all of us got here. It's because of a seed. That's the way it all moved forward. God's original creation. He put something into motion, creates it to have these beautiful Uh, cartwheel effect of moving forward and we need to recognize that's how he created things to function that these little things grow into bigger things and those bigger things uh, impact generations he's put this into play from the very beginning in fact he reiterates it after the flood Flood takes place. Genesis chapter eight. Noah is is in his spot. They're going to get ready. and He's coming out of the ark. Uh, life is beginning a fresh. God's promise to never flood the earth again. Um, we were all confident uh, last night when the storms rolled in and the lightning was happening and the rain poured down. None of us was like, oh man, I forgot to build an ark. Uh, we were all confident he was not going to flood the whole earth. Again, it was part of his promise to us and part of the promise because as Noah steps out, uh, he's just looking at devastation. He's just looking at devastation and there's a place is like, man, sometimes it's like, how can things be rebuilt? This is so messed up. This is so off. How can things be rebuilt? And part of the, the covenant God made with Noah is mentioned here in Genesis chapter eight, verse 22. And he tells him this, he says, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. They are going to continue to go, well, guess what? We're here. The earth is remaining. We're still on it. So guess what? All of these things are very much at play. Out of these four sets of things, three of them, we can't really do much about. Summer and winter, we can't do much about it other than prepare for them. Cold and heat, just prepare for them. Night and day, just be aware of them and prepare for them. And here in West Texas, sometimes we need to prepare for summer and winter all in the same day, cold and heat all in the same day. But with it, it's still, it's going to happen. But the first one God reminds Noah of, that's the one we can do something about. Seed time and harvest is, some, is the one we can do something about. And in fact, right afterward, it tells us that Noah planted a vineyard there and grew up this vineyard. That that was, Noah immediately acted upon this thing of seed, time and harvest that God was going to restore out of the devastation with the seeds that still existed on the planet, that things would be restored out of these seeds, which had a little bitty beginnings, but significant ultimate growth and impact. And these seeds, they were designed by God to produce, to make a difference, even in adverse situations, even when things begin to attack them. Years ago, Cutie and I, we bought our first house and, and um, our first home. There was a, It was a one owner home. We bought it from the, this lady who was um, in her 80s. She, her and her husband had built it right after he got back um, from World War II. It had been, it had been her um, her. Only home as an adult, and then we were the ones who were able to to purchase it and renovate it and, and make it our home for a little bit and You could tell it was it was her pride and joy uh, because there were some things that still that still worked. She had planted some some bulbs and some lilies would come up, and they were beautiful every spring, uh, but the yard. The yard was neglected. The yard was not great and and so I had to give some energy and some attention to that and I really wanted I really wanted um, a really good yard and I grew up having to like pull, pull rye grass out of our lawn and I hate pulling weeds. I do not like doing that. And so and I sowed some Bermuda seed and it kind of sprouted up a little bit. Um, but that first growing season, uh, the rye grass was just growing up. And I just like, I'm not going to spend all my time pulling this rye grass, but I don't want it here because I knew that rye grass is an annual. Okay, Bermuda, it's just there and it'll grow and yeah, it puts out some seed, but, but that Bermuda grass, so it grows back from itself. But ryegrass, it's an annual. It reseeds every year. So this spring, when your ryegrass pops up, it's last year's seed. It's not the same plant, just all of a sudden greening up again. It's a brand new plant. And so I was like, you know what? I think I, can, I think I can fix this. And so i'd noticed that the ryegrass put out its seed when it got about that tall so it'd get about that tall and it's real tall and wispy and the little ryegrass pod would come out and it would drop its its seeds and and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna beat it i'm just gonna mow my grass like crazy this season i'm not gonna let it seed out and then i've taken all the seeds out of it so we're good next year I'm in the clear. It didn't, didn't have a chance to seed itself back in to my yard. I thought it was a pretty brilliant plan. And so I dropped my mower as low as it would go. And I was just mowing, mowing, mowing my grass like crazy. I'd mow two, three times a week. I was just not going to let it grow. People were like, man, that guy just doesn't want his lawn to grow at all. Or that dude's just trying to stay outside. Like, my goodness, you know, what's going on? I thought I was avoiding cutie. Like, I'm mowing the grass again, babe. And so, but I was attacking that ryegrass because I knew it wanted... It wanted to grow up. And if you let it do its thing, it would grow up big and tall and willowy. And those little seed pods would be out there and it'd be like the, the grass bay. And it's just sprinkling the, little, sprinkling the little seeds. And that's what it wanted to do. You leave it alone, that's how it wanted to grow. But because I attacked it and I just mowed it and I mowed it and I did not let it do what it wanted to do. I was inspecting my yard one day and I looked and I had this tiny, little rye grass plants that had a perfect little buzz cut. I mean, boom. And there was this tiny little seed pod down below where the blades cut. And I was just, oh my gosh, this wasn't a mutant plant. This wasn't two or three cycles later. This was the same plant that wanted to grow tall and put its seed out. But because of the circumstances, it wouldn't, didn't have the room to grow to its full potential, but it still produced anyways. And there's so many times you and I feel like that. You know what? I keep getting cut. I keep getting pushed back. The enemy keeps get attacking. I'd be able to be productive in my life. I'd be able to to do the things I'm called to do if I just had the room and attacks quit coming. Well, guess what? We're called to produce no matter what. God has called us and wired us to, that the seed of the word, the seed of God's promises to still make a difference even if the attacks still come. The seed is, it's powerful. It's hardwired. It finds it 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 a way. But there's also a place that we need to be aware that even though the little small things can have really significant good impact, little small things can have significant troublesome impact it's a bad impact and when we look at the song of solomon song of solomon is there's a bunch of different voices that take place a bunch of different characters in it but for the most part it's two lovers speaking to one another They're, most of it's their courtship phase and and um it's if you can decode it um they speak in metaphors and little figures of speech but if you decode it it is a very steamy very steamy letter and so um, in fact there were a bunch there was some age limit set on when uh, Hebrew young men were finally allowed to read Song of Solomon because it was creating some visual mental pictures that they were not ready to deal with and so and now everybody's gonna go read Song of Solomon (laughs) and so and I'll but with that, it's about this courtship and this love and, and this, this passion. And they have this passion for one another and, and can't wait to be able to get married and, and, and come together. And, and so, but in Song of Solomon chapter two, verse 15, one of the lovers calls out and says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. There's here this, this beginning of the potential. This, they're in bloom. But these little foxes will come and nibble at these flowers, nibble at the, the little grapes that are just beginning and ruin the harvest. And they say it wasn't the big things that attacked. It's these little foxes, these little things sneaking in and wreaking havoc. And the truth is that's why you and I, we have to pay attention to what things are happening daily because it's in our daily lives that the little foxes show up that they come in and begin to undermine what things are happening because there are times that we just get in the cycle of life we get and then they're having their negative consequence and we don't even catch it Uh, years ago i had wanted to do something athletic i've been very open that i'm not athletic at all Uh, but I wanted to accomplish something that was athletic and so I decided you know what Um, I I can be hard-headed I can just be determined and just grit it out and so I just got the wild idea to run a marathon and actually it was complete a marathon run is very generous term and so to complete a marathon and so I began to train and get ready and I did complete my marathon and the time I do not tell anybody because it's too like a long time and uh and so but i did complete it and so i was talking to people who had done marathons before and i was asking them advice about training and all that and one person offhandedly mentioned they're like you know you're you're going to want to make sure that your your toenails are well trimmed um, before you run your marathon because if they're not um you can actually go and, and you, you can pull your toenail and rip your toenails off inside your shoes um And it happens to runners all the time. And so, you know, I I Google it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this this is terrible. Like, this is a great reason to never run a marathon. Like, you will run your toenails off. Like, that's that's this, this why it's that bad of course the first people that did it died so that should have given you a, a good heads up But so I made sure the day of I, I was well groomed and had everything ready to go and I go out and I complete my marathon and then when I go at the end of the marathon and, and I pull my socks and shoes off and sure enough one on each foot I had ripped over half of a toenail off on each foot and I never knew it I never knew it. I never knew it was happening. Because I was just out there and there were so many other things on my mind. Just having to get to the next mile marker to just, my lungs were burning, all these other things were going on. Just thinking how stupid I was. You know know how stupid you feel at mile 17? You got 9.2 miles to go and you're like, I've already run forever. This is dumb. I'd call my wife, but they're not allowed out on the track. Like she can't come drive out if they've shut it down. And so, and it was just, but what was happening that whole time while my mind was so many other places, inside my shoe, my toenail, my toe was just barely hitting the end of my shoe. Just barely hitting it. Every step, every little run, every shuffle I made, all the different moments. It just keep, and it just barely, barely pull, barely pull to just started actually ripping it up. And I didn't notice it. And it just started ripping and I didn't notice it. And it was these little things. I got so concerned about other things that this little thing started doing real damage. And that's why our daily things are so important. We can give our attention to other things and forget some of the little things and they've been wreaking havoc. And that's why we need to make, pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is leading us daily. See, God uses wind to shape dunes and even mountains. God uses the rivers to shape canyons and different places of topography. But when it comes to us, God shapes the biggest part of your life. The little things that you do with Him each day. That's where the real growth is going to happen. Real growth is going to happen with the little things you do every day with Him. Let's look at Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This moment shows up throughout the gospels multiple times. It was Jesus' custom to go and to pray. And he did not rest on the fact that he was the son of God. That was not like, give him a pass. Well, I'm the son of God. I kind of know what's on his mind. I kind of know what thing. No, he leaned in on that. There's a space where you and I, when we begin to get full of the grace and understand how fully forgiven, how fully we are his that we're his children. There's a little moment when the the little pressure to work for salvation comes off that if we're not really leaning into the relationship side, we can go, oh, and then take a little break from really leaning into God when really understanding how loved we are should have us leaning into him more, should be the basis of our relationship with God. That's where we should be really leaning into more And Jesus he, he made sure he kept his daily intimate relationship with the Father strong. And that's what allowed him. Well, when we see in Mark chapter 14, verse 32, it says, and they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus prayed or Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death he said to them stay here and keep watch going a little farther he fell to the ground and he prayed if possible that the hour might pass from him abba father he said everything is possible for you take this cup from me yet not what i will but what you will See, Jesus in his most desperate place where his soul was in anguish, his mind, his will and emotions were going through it. He could say, not my will, but your will, because he had daily been saying, not my will, but your will. He told his disciples, I don't do anything unless I see the father do it. Jesus was continually looking to the Father and aligning and then when he came to the place that it was the most challenging to his flesh he had already cultivated that stuff to go you know what as much as I would like for this maybe to go another way not my will but yours be done Jesus brings back in the space of the power of the seed when he teaches his disciples in Matthew 13, verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants, and it becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. This is the kingdom of God. It's like this little tiny seed. See, God's kingdom is where he's king. It's where he's Lord. If we're going to invite him to be Lord, we have to understand that a lot of times he grows his kingdom by the little things we let him plant in our lives. Those little daily things, those little moments. So many times we want the grand moment. And that's wonderful when those happen in our lives, but the bulk of it, it's the little moments, the lived out. See, growing in God in our daily lives produces strength for our calling. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19 says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. He's reminding them that they are the temple, that they are. It's not a building. It's not a structure. There was once upon a time where a temple was where God met with his people and they could find his presence there in that stone structure. But it's not anymore. When Jesus died, that veil was torn. God's presence was made available to us all. And you and I are the temple. This space is not a holy space. This was, it used to be a furniture store. We pulled in some chairs, built a stage. We have church in here. You're the holy space. You are. You're where God chose to abide. You're where God chose to live. You're where God chose to put his presence. Not in a building anymore. We don't have to travel somewhere. God, we carry God with us everywhere we go. And so with that mentality, with with that understanding, we need to understand that the enemy's devices and his plans, they haven't shifted. So if this is the holy place, then we understand how the enemy has attacked the holy place in times past. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. And Daniel's prophesying about an attack that would come on the temple. It says, And forces shall be mustered by him. This is an enemy. And they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. And then they shall take away the daily sacrifices. The first thing the enemy does is take away the daily sacrifices. Not the big festivals, not the big feasts, not those things, the daily sacrifices. Stop the little things where we're connecting with God daily. That's the very first tactic. When the enemy wants to come in and mess up the place where God dwells. Enemies working the same tactic on our lives. We're the temple and he wants to come at the daily sacrifices, then they're sacrifices because the things we, we don't always want to do them. They're things we're just, we don't, don't, don't always want to do them. We're not always excited to open our Bibles. But you know what? God always meets me when I open my Bible. We're not always excited to discuss that thing in prayer. But God always meets me when I discuss it in prayer. Sometimes we're not always excited to connect with other believers. We don't wanna be bothered. But man, God it always meets me when I connect with the body of Christ. It's those daily sacrifices. It says, and then place there the abomination of desolation. And that sounds like, you know like what on earth is that? But abomination is an atrocious sin. Okay, just something that's just completely defiles the sanctuary. Just something that's just really bad. And this abomination, it creates desolation, which desolation is something being destroyed back to its foundation. Just absolutely demolished is what this desolation is. So when the daily sacrifices begin to be stalled, when they're stopped, that's what opens the door to these bigger issues that wreck our lives. So the inverse, if we want to make sure the bigger issues that wreck our lives don't have an entrance, we keep the daily sacrifices. We just stay connected with him. It says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. This is the same enemy that is, that's the tactic it's corrupting with flattery. We see this at work in our culture right now. Everything is, is, is positive and good vibes and all of that mess. See, the truth is, is as, as faith people, we're not positive people. Faith is the truth. We're truth people. God's promises are real. God's promises are true. It's not that we're at this place of being negative or positive or realist. We're truthists. And God is for us. Yes. And so therefore we grab a hold of that and it might sound positive. Why? Because God's good. He's good. But the thing is the enemy will come in and disguise. He'll twist it. Use something that feels similar. And this little flattery. Oh, you know what? You, you just be you. I love the way you do you. The enemy comes in and begins to do that and it's just, it's Everywhere. And then when we speak the truth and it challenges us, they're like, "Oh, don't, don't talk to me like that. I need you to build me up. Well, if, you're, if your decisions are tearing you down, then me pointing that out is building you up. That's where life exists. But here is the answer. It says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. This is in the middle. This is in the middle of the abomination that causes desolation. This is in the middle of the corrupting with flattery. This is in the middle of all of these different things. There are those who know their God. And they're strong. And they do great exploits. It's not just that they're strong and they're not swayed by all the mess that's going around. And some of us would be happy with that. I just, thank you, Lord, I'm just not falling over. I'm strong. But that's, that's not what we should be happy with. God's called us to be strong and do great exploits. All of a sudden now we're advancing the kingdom. We're carrying things forward. We're being who we're called to be. That's who you're called to be. You've got the spirit of God alive on the inside of you. That's what you're called to know him. Be strong and carry out great exploits. We see the power of these daily things in Acts chapter two in the lives of the, Depo- of the apostles. Verse 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They're just doing regular things. They're eating together, connecting together, enjoying life together and the spirit of God is at work. And people are coming to the Lord daily, not just Sunday mornings and praise God for Sunday mornings, but Monday during break time at work, when you're hanging out at the family barbecue on the weekend, when you're at your super bowl party tonight, God can be at work in any space and people step over from death to life daily. People were being added to the kingdom. Why? Because God was at work in his people, not in the leadership, but in his people. It makes the difference. And as we look at Hebrews chapter six, verse 12, Hebrews chapter six reminds us, uh, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. There's a promise. There's a promise for you, your household, your family. There's a place to having faith and hanging on to that, which is patience. God's calls to that. There's a place that every one of us in this room, we all know some daily things God has for us. They may vary slightly we're all on different growth trajectories and the truth is you continue growing in him and he's going to ask some things from you six seven years from now that he's not even on your radar right now but there are some things that are on your radar right now there are some daily things that he wants you to do and it's in those spaces that's where the growth is going to be i promise you The Holy Spirit is leading you forward and if you'll embrace him daily and the scriptures are just so clear with us, they're just so honest and if we'll be honest, it's our challenge. There are things we know what we need to do and to leaning in but if we're just gonna be blunt, there's a place where we can find ourselves just being lazy. We're not bringing the energy to it that we're called to bring. And so our bottom line is this, that daily moments make an eternal difference. That's why this is so vital. That's why connecting with him in this way is so beautifully vital. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.